everyone, it is I, as always, uh, Ryan, host of DM Told Me To, and working on the uh, Aramon project here. So, this is late, I know. Um, it's time on the Discord all about the stuff I had going on all this week, it was a lot. Had a big nursing practical, which is like a hands-on lab exam. Uh, it was with a good chunk of my grade, that was Wednesday. And then I have a test coming up Tuesday, my exam four. And then a final, the Thursday of the week after that. So these upcoming weeks for me will be busy. So I apologize if these aren't exactly on Sundays like usual. Um, thank you all for bearing with me. And if you were on the Reddit, you got to see some leaks on what was coming, which is pretty cool. Um, and then I shared that in the Discord. So um, if you remember the Discord, obviously you get to see some stuff. And if you're on the Reddit, you get to see more images that I get of things sooner. We'll get to that in a second. So uh, this episode, episode five, I believe, of this. Boy. We've made some good progress in this book, right? So just to scroll through quick, we got our title page as always, table of contents usually here. Um, oh, what is this? Section five, Oraman Almanac. And then Oraman Almanac chapter CR0. So um, I might go through and I might make each of these little bullets on the table of contents that you see um, have their page numbers respectively so people know what pages to jump to to see them. Because while creating an Oromancer, page two is nice. Page seven is acquiring Aramon. So in between page two and seven is all these different categories. <laughs> so I might just give each category there a page number as well. Uh, if you're listening, uh, just leave in the comments below if you think that's easier to see. Or do you think just leaving them as their page numbers and then the big bullets or everything below them is better? Because um, you'll see with the Almanac coming up, there's going to be a lot of pages in between each chapter. And this is where the majority of the book's going to come from, right? Is, is putting in the creatures of this world. So we'll get to that in a second. Um, introductory notes still the same, all good. Everything else here is good. I moved around, I did, moved around some images and pictures and things. Um, always looks pretty good. Uh, fusions is also there, battles, nothing's changed. Okay, spells, I'm quickly run through. I, in my free time in between adding the creatures because I was really excited. I wanted to give you guys some Aramon to look at because I was like, let's get to this. You know, we talked about the heroes, we talked about making the characters. Let's see some of these creatures that are in this world and what they can do. So, in my free time, I quickly added a list, the fourth level spells for every character. So, we're going to quickly look at those. Oh, that's right. My spell list that I used is gone. So, that's not fun. Um, so, I can go back to that there. I was using this website to have this very nice spell list, but apparently it just isn't wanting to work anymore. Or it's just, oh no. I got there. My link I used before just never seemed to work, I guess. Okay, so I was doing a bunch of spells for a while and then it just stopped wanting to work. So. Yeah, no, okay, the page is here now, which is great. I can continue to work on spells, because I stopped working on spells after four, because I did four one day, and then went to come back the next day, and then my link just didn't... It just didn't work. I don't know why it didn't want to work, but... Alright. Anywho. Um, yeah, we want the source. I'm just filtering through things quickly, just with the source, so I can tell you guys all about this stuff. Alrighty. We're on this four here. Quickly running through some spells that people got here. Um, for the power spells, power spells we got uh, Aura of Purity. Obviously, that's a um, like an aura rating spell until the spell ends. Um, it rain is an aura around you for thirty feet until the spell ends. 
uh, move the aura moves with you. Centered on you, each non-hostile creature in the aura cannot become diseased, has resistance to poison, and has advantage on saving throws against effects that cause any of the following conditions. Sorry, so these are the, anything that's in that aura gets a protection from something that could be along the lines of celestial. But it the reason why I put it there is because um has advantage on saving throws against effects that cause any of the following conditions to you. Right. So while Celestial is like an AoE protection for people, maybe it's an AoE giving everybody protection of something, but ultimately the aura of purity targets it protects the singular creature inside that aura from things. That's more of a power spell, right? Power is a lot of things that, that protect a singular thing. While it's an aura that gives protection to everybody around you, that protection only is in the form of protecting just you singularly. That makes sense, right? So if I'm inside the aura of Dijas, right? That aura is protecting me from things. That aura is singularly me. It's not protecting him from things inside the aura with me being there. That makes sense. Um, I gave them Blight because Blight can just be a really powerful damaging spell. I mean... Target takes 8d8 necrotic damage on a singular target. And if it's a plant, if, the target, if you target a non-magical plant that isn't a creature, such a tree, a shrub, it doesn't make a saving throw. It simply withers and dies. So you just straight up kill plants. Suppose no effect on undead or constructs. If you target a plant, creature, or a magical plant, it makes a saving throw with disadvantage, and the spell deals maximum damage to it. So it's a magic plant, which... One of the creatures today is indeed a plant, so that would take maximum damage from the spell if you were to cast it. 8d8, so uh, 64 damage. Pretty nice. I gave them Dimension Door as like a way of, and I'll show you quickly why I gave them Dimension Door here. Uh, Dimension Door is simply just, you teleport yourself from your current location to any other spot within range. You arrive at exactly the spot desired. It can place... You can see once you visualize or you can describe by standing 200 feet straight downwards or upwards. Um, this allows you to be able to get the jump on people to get advantage, right? Because if you see a group of people coming and you want to teleport yourself to an area to be able to get the drop on them, that's what this, I look at it being allowing you to do, right? Bring along objects, one willing creature, etc. So, uh, fabricate quick. I'm not going to go through like every spell, but if it's just something that seemed kind of interesting. Uh, yeah, you convert raw material into products of the same material. For example, you can fabricate a wooden bridge from a clump of trees, a rope from a patch of hem, and cloth from a flax or wool, right? So it lets you be able to, like, create things from materials that are around within context. So by doing that, it lets you be able to be the hero, lead the front lines, right? Your group's running here. A chasm is open and stuff, and a bunch of trees have fallen, like, a bunch of twigs are in the water. You can touch it quickly because you're in the lead and can make a bridge to let the party run across while you're still leading, so... That was just the idea there. It says you can't fabric you can fabricate large or smaller object containing within ten foot cube or eight connected five feet cubes. So yeah, so you have to think eight connected five feet cube bridge to do that. So pretty cool. Uh fire shield, obviously it's just like a defensive thing on you that bursts into flames when someone hits you. Great invisibility. They're like the sneakier class, right? You're trying to get advantage, letting you get the heads up, so being able to do that better. Should do that better. Uh, Leomon's secret chest is just one of the things I kind of threw in here. It's just like, uh, you know, if you're the leader guy, or if you're trying to sneak and steal around stuff, you can just make a chest. Hide stuff in this chest in an ethereal plan to be able to pull it out later. It's secret. Metasmo killer, because 
the damage. Um, I was debating on giving this one to Mystic, but uh, you tap into the nightmare of a creature you can see within range and create an illusionary manifestation of its deepest fears. Right, so on a failed save, the target becomes frightened for the duration. At the end of each of the target's turns, before the spell ends, the target must succeed on a wisdom saving throw or take 4d10 psychic damage. It was just so much damage, and the fact that you're continually able to do that is just crazy. And the duration... There's no wisdom saving throw on a failed save, the target becomes frightened. At the end of each of its turns, before the spell ends, the target must succeed on a wisdom saving throw or take 4d10 psychic damage. Up to a minute. There's the duration. I was looking for the duration. Yeah, so 4d10 every turn if they keep failing these wisdom saving throws. That adds up. Like, that is, that is a lot of stuff right there, you know? A lot of just damage. Like, I don't... That's one of the strongest damaging things we got so far. Okay, creatures being able to find things. Staggering or smite. Obviously busting your... Increasing your damage. It hits something. Uh, stone skin was something I was kind of looking at. Giving Celestial... I might have actually given them the wrong spot. No? Okay. Stone skin... Not stone shape, but stone, stone skin says. Uh, the spell turns to flesh of a willing creature. You touch as hard as stone until the spell ends. The target, oh, that's what it was. Has resistant to non-magic bludgeoning, piercing, or slashing damage. Right, basically, you're the tank. So you give it to yourself, and then you have resistance. Or, you, or your Auramon gets it, and now your Auramon is resistant to non-magical bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage. Which could be huge, right? Because if something has vulnerability... And you give it resistance, now it takes neutral. It doesn't take times two, right? It resists. Or if it has just, or if it has nothing and you want to give it resistance, then even better. All right, so that's quick for power. Celestial, um, aura life, obviously AoE healing. Banishment, just figured, just get rid of the guy, makes it easier that way. Um, control water, being able to just control water. Death ward, um, if something will drop down to zero, and it drops to one, so it's still alive. Uh, divination just was a fun ritual spell. Uh, yeah, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your magic and offering puts you in contract with a god or god's servant. You ask a single question concerning a specific goal, event, or activity to occur within seven days. The DM offers a truthful reply. The reply must be a short phrase, a, a rhyme, or an omen, right? Because you're they're going to ask a question be like, if we leave this town... To hunt the bad guy. Hunt the big bad evil guy. Will the citizens be safe? And then the DM can answer something truthfully like... If you, meaning like... Basically what the DM could try to convey is... Uh, yes, as long as there's somebody protecting the town. And then signifies the players... Okay, we need to find somebody. So maybe rustic hero that's out in the wilderness or something. To protect this town while we're away. Because we know the big bad wants something in this town, but we have to hunt the big bad, so we're torn, right? Do we stay in town? But if we hire somebody to protect the town while we're away, then maybe the little minions that try to come to steal whatever's here will be protected. I think that's a really cool spell. I like the playability in that, right? It kind of makes it feel like, okay, this is a game, but we can ask the DM a question. The next seven days, right? Will the big bad send minions here to attack? And then they could be like, the DM could drop something along the lines of... Right, some rhyme or rhythm or shim or hymn, right? Uh, where it's like, if gone by day four, 
the people in this town will not live anymore or something like that, right? So then you're like, all right, we should have to stay here four days. Something's happening in four days to the people of this town, right? So that's where, yeah. Oh, that on the fly. It was really bad, but that's okay. Because um, we'll get there. Um, obviously, freedom of movement lets you move fast. Guardians of Faith summons guardians that heal people. Mordenkaiman's private sanctum. Again, another hideaway area to protect people. Polymorph. Polymorph, yeah, because ultimately you gain the hit. You the spell transfer of the creature can see within range into a new form. An unwilling creature transfer lasts the duration or until the target drops to zero hit points or dies. Um, a new form can be any beast who's challenging a target assumes the hit points of its new form. When reversed to its normal form, the creature returns the normal number of hit points it had before it transformed. So you literally gain additional hit points. By turning into something. And then when that something was at hit points, you become yourself again at the hit point you had before the transformation. That buffer of hit points is healing, right? I mean, it's not healing, but it's extra maximum hit points. You just extend it. Granted, you maybe became a T-Rex or became a boar, right? But in that form, you have additional hit points, right? So if you're with an NPC and you want to make sure the NPC stays safe with extra hit points. Perhaps you turn them into something. Maybe it's a little creature like a monkey to trap with you so that, that that important NPC doesn't draw attention. And then if that monkey gets hit a bunch and turns back into their normal form, you don't, you don't have to risk them taking the first initial hit. Ideas, stories, fun things there. Alrighty, and then Mystic. A lot of these long lines of mystic, right? Arcane eye, you float a mystical eye around. Compulsion, you force some creature to agree to do what you say. Confusion, relevant lines of chaos, causing confusion. Evard's black tentacles, AoE damage around you. Grasping vines, to hold something in place. Hallucinary terrain, causing things to knock out, become charmed, etc. Ice storm, again, AoE damage. Odalux resi resistance sphere, making somebody protect in a sphere that is pretty good. By no means of magic getting in or out until the spell ends. Stone shape, changing shape in the wall of fire, making AoE fire in an area just cause complete chaos. That was a little sparks notes, guys. Sorry about that, just because I really want to get to these creatures because these creatures are going to take up, I think, the majority. I only have three to show, and then art for some of the ones that are upcoming. I'll let you see. So, Ormond Almanac. This is the Ormond Almanac filled with all of the cards of Ormond that inhabit this world along with their evolutions. Any Ormond who has two evolutions will have its original form stat block in this book. Otherwise, the original forms of the Oromon will be in the monster manual. So if things evolve twice, I plan to get custom art for the first form, the second form, and the third form, because this is going to be a special evolution specifically for Oromon, right? If it only evolves once, then that basically says, all right, check the normal stats of the monster in the monster manual when you plan to use it, because otherwise, all of these pages <laughs> would be in here. And this book would be immensely, immensely thick. This is 351 pages, and I have some back pages of the index missing. <laughs> so. Obviously, I'm not going to put every creature's stat block in here. If I do, and it has the meaning, like, it has two evolutions, right? So the first form is going to be a little different about it. That makes it special for this world. Otherwise, assume it's in this book. Uh, Ormon and the Almanac will be organized based on their chapter of the book, uh, book, okay, chapter of the book, well, that grammar's not right, Ryan, 
Let me fix that quick. Any Oromon who has two evolutions will have its original form stat block in this book. Otherwise, the original forms of the Oromon will be in the Monster Manual. Oromon and the Almanac will be organized based on the chapter of the book of their original state, original stat challenge rating. Boy, that's bad. Wow. Yeah, I typed this one. I was really tired. Could you tell? Oromon and the Almanac will be organized based on the chapter of their or, chapter of the book of their original stat challenge rating. For example, if an Oromon originally started as CR0 and fused it to its first evolution, even though the evolution is higher than CR0, it will be in the Oromon Almanac CR Chapter 0 due to its original form being 0, right? Because ultimately when you open a pack of cards, they're probably all going to be the base evolutions anyway, because you have to fuse them. So... Doing that means um, to find that and its evolutions in this book, you'll go to its basic stat. I think that was the easiest way of finding it. Because otherwise, a lot of sections in the book, if I was organized in my general challenge rating, would be at peaks of three, seven, eight, like four, seven, you know, like four or five, etc. So I just made it easy. The original form stat block is what it's organized by. The creature starts at challenge rating zero. Look at challenge rating zero chapter here. I'll look at the Ormond Almanac CR Chapter 0 for the, or for Chapter CR 0. I think is what I ended up doing, right? Chapter... Yeah, I did Chapter CR 0, so I'm going to fix that quick. Uh, uh, Ormond Almanac Chapter CR 0. So you're going to look for that because it's the original creature's challenge rating is 0, so I'm going to jump to that section. And then I say below, due to some creatures in the Monster Manual having some constraints, they've been removed from the game module to help simplify game mechanics. Um... What that means is some creatures evolved, like, like for example, this isn't, a, um, this isn't one that's not in the book, but some creatures were removed for sake of being, if they were uh, very people-esque to an extent. I basically put that in there if I had, I so far haven't removed many, many of any creatures uh, because they were okay. That's basically saying if I had to remove a creature, it was for balance, for game mechanics, for reasons that just made it so, like, this was too much. And you'll see, you'll see someday if I remove them, I'll let you know. But I think right now I have almost every creature that's in here for challenge rating zero. All right, finally, drum roll. Oromon Almanac Chapter CR0. CR0. For the creatures starting at CR0, they're the weakest creatures in the game, but have some potential to become some of the strongest. They will evolve into CR3, then CR7. Oromon. Now, if you look back at fusions, Right, uh, level four is when it fuses, no matter what. And at first evolution, level seven is its next evolution. So, first thing, um, these names are only finalized if they have a stat block. Otherwise, some of these names are up in the air for, for things. Um, so Awakened Shrub becomes Thornmonger, Baboon becomes Biomorph Baboon. Badger will evolve into Badgerang, Bat into Batsy, Cat into Astral Feline, Commoner into the Town Guard, Crab into King Crustacean, and then that's about the ones I have images for. The rest of them are up in the air, uh, and names could change, such as, like, um, Crawling Claw becomes Dead Man's Grasp, some pirate idea I had for making the claw look different. Deer into Hornicles, uh, and these are all things that are CR0, right? So they're going to have baby evolutions, really. But Eagle becomes Patriot, Frog becomes Leapster, which might change. Giant Fire Beetle becomes Horned Beetle of Flame. Goat becomes Grand Ram. 
So, for example, right, crab, I'm not going to put the original stat block for crab in because it only evolves once in the King Crustacean. So the King Crustacean evolution will be here in this almanac, but crab will not. You would have to look in the actual manual. Same thing for a lot of the other things that are that are here in this in this world. Um, yeah. So like I said, goat becomes Grand Ram, which I might change. Uh, Hawk becomes Touched of Demon Hawk. That one's cool. I have the image for that. Homunculus becomes Igor. Hyena becomes Laughster. Jackal becomes Guard Dog of the Sand. A Lemur becomes Lesser Demon. Lizard becomes Elizard for a like El Lizard. Yeah, for Lizard, but it's L in front for Electric Lizard. You'll see that at some point. Uh, Mykonon Sprout, oh, it was a cool idea, it's like a little plant dude, right? But now he becomes Mykonid Squire and Mykonid Knight. The Mykonids, not even probably saying it right, but I think I'm, no, Mykonid, I don't think I'm saying it right, uh, are throughout this book in different ways. They'll probably see a lot of different Mykonids for a lot of different Mykonids evolutions that could become a cool part of the world. Octopus becomes Baby Kraken and then Kalexo, Kraken Supreme. Basically, if something has two evolutions, I try to give it some sort of special name to it. Um, that's why Owl might become a different thing. Um, so, right, so for example, um, Mykonid Sprout becomes Mykonid Squire and then Mykonid Knight. The reason why Mykonid Knight might not have a name is because there's other Mykonids later on that will probably get special names. Uh, otherwise, just, you could have a bunch of Mykonid Knights. It's to give them some uniqueness to some, right? So Octopus becomes Baby Kraken, and then Kalexo Kraken Supreme is just a fun name I thought of for that one. It's like a super big Kraken. Now, Kraken is a card in D&D, right? So that, I, I tried to not, I tr if it was, if it be, appears later on in the module, right? Like a creature challenge rating of a Kraken, will then have maybe one evolution, unless it's a Mystic, then it'll just be its own variant. And yeah, so... Mystics are just those cards themselves because they're so powerful that they are what they are. And then you summon them to cast a quick action from them and then they disappear like a spell. Um, Owl becomes Bookkeeper and then Knowledge Keeper. Um, Quipper, which is like a fish, becomes a Barracuda. Rat becomes Dynamouse and then Ratchessa, Queen of TNT. Sounds like a fun idea using rats with, uh, and mice with dynamite. Raven becomes Skullcrow. I have that image. Scorpion becomes Warrior of. Karu, I have that. Seahorse becomes Aquaestrian, a little play on Equestrian. I tried to make some, like, you know, there's some things in Pokemon, like, have some references to real life, right? Hitmonlee, right? Based on Bruce Lee, etc. Uh, so, try to do some fun things with names if I could to make them interesting. Uh, Shrieker becomes Leaf Howler. Spider becomes Bladed Spider and then Prickled Spider. The reason why that these are the way that they are is because, like I said, Spider has got to be one of the most common <laughs> things in this monster manual. Spider, Phantom Spider, Giant Spider, Wolf Spider. Maybe I'll try to do evolutions for all of them. That's an example where I might cut something out if I'm like, we already have the spider. We already have the giant spider. Do we need the wolf spider? You know. Vulture becomes Mortician Nair. Or like a mortician, but in the air. Uh, Weasel is some of the art that some of the, you guys got to see. I'll show that on the screen now for people. Um, Reddit got to see this days ago when I got the art for it. I'll make that little coin now, make the little announcement now about it. Thank you to um, Heroes Should Not Be Named on Patreon because I wanted to remain un um, anonymous. That's the word. Um, so thank you. And because of your efforts, I was able to actually commission this art. So thank you very much. You know who you are who did that. 
with your one-time donation. That's the thing with Patreon too. You can make a one-time donation and not have to be there for months if you don't want to. But the one person who was really interested in the project donated some money and I was able to use all their funds to be able to contribute to this art. So I wanted to show off some of this art quick for people. Um, this is King Crustacean, which is um, a crab whose hand is a treasure chest. He's got a king crown on it. And the treasure chest hand functions like a normal crab thing does, but it's like a wooden chest full of coins. So that plays a role later. Um, next thing is Badgerang. You'll see his stat blocks later, but I want to show him ahead of time. Look at this cute little badger. He's got a little boomerang. Plan boomerang, right? Badger, badgerang. All right. This is where things get fun. I'm going to zoom out a little bit here. People can see it. All right, so this is a weasel. As you notice, the weasel evolution is weasel, and then becomes Weasel the Gambler, and then Don Weaselini as the mob boss. So it starts with a custom weasel, right? So it evolves. It evolves. I got to calm down. <laughs> getting excited. It evolves twice. So this is a beautiful example of what a... I'm going to put the original stat block of weasel in, and maybe I'll have one special thing to it. Maybe. I don't know. But... I wanted to look like this. Also, there's no picture of a weasel in the book. If there's a picture of something in the book, I'll probably keep that the same and then make its evolution based on that picture. But there's no image for a weasel in, in the in the monster manual for D&D. There's giant weasel and all the other stuff, but not just regular weasel. So I figured I'd make weasel be a little mob boss here. This guy's a little uh, weasel's got a little hat. He's like a little gangster, you know, and then becomes Weasel. The Gambler. If you're on YouTube, obviously you can see these images. Otherwise, I'll just describe it for people. Um, Weasel's got like a little, uh, I think it's like a fedora, like a little mafia hat on his head. And he's like a little weasel sitting up on his back legs with his little arms crossed, you know, trying to look all devious. Next one is Weasel the Gambler. So it evolves from that. It's now like a little weasel in a trench coat wearing like a little tie. And he's holding a few cards up in the air. And that, he'll have a special effect that involves the cards of your deck. And get to those later too. Um, and, and then the last form, which I love, and a lot of people on Reddit were saying that they liked, they loved the final guy, Don Weaselini, out of all of them. So there's Don Weaselini, and shout out to, I'm going to butcher her name, but she's an amazing person, and I recommend check everybody check her out. Oh, I have her for badgering, yeah. Um, everybody check out um, Ayori Shibasaki. Basaki. Shibasaki. Ayori Shibasaki. Ayori Shibasaki uh, on Instagram it's just Ayori Shibasaki Baski I'm not pronouncing it right Unfortunately, I'm sorry Yori but I've been emailing Yori back and forth she's an amazing person to work with if you need an artist for pictures or for things for creative I recommend her she normally has a lot of people but she's got a lot of cool drawings for the creatures of this and she'll be hopefully my primary artist that I'll use for this because her rates are actually really good and thanks to donations from you guys I've been able to commission her to do some art so, obviously, you're seeing just some sketch previews. She is going to put them in color, which is going to be awesome to see. Um, to, so, to describe Don Weaselini for people that can't see that are just listening in, which is awesome if you're listening in. Um, and if you're on YouTube, quickly just go on to whatever listening platform you're on and get the download in because it helps promote the show, right? The more downloads that show gets, even if you just download it and don't even watch it, you just watch it on YouTube so you can see the pictures. It helps with the algorithm. It helps spread the word of this because we're growing, and it's amazing. Um, but, yeah, so if you're not part of the Reddit yet, People on Reddit got to see these drawings four days ago, <laughs> right? It took me until I was actually able to make this, this video. And hopefully it goes up the day that I'm recording this. So hopefully be, the four days ago will be true on um, April 30th there. Um, but actually, let me do this. There, make it full screen for people so that they can see it better. Um, so Don Weaselini, uh, my boss, he's got a... 
uh, big wide hat. He's got a big brushy mustache. He's got his large trench coat. He's got a pipe like he's in charge, right? He's the mob leader. He looks a little angry in his face. And you're like, fine. He's got these floating dice around him. What are those about? Well, he's going to have a special mechanic that's going to require players to... Uh, as a spoiler. I mean, not really a spoiler, but you'll see it at some point when I finish, get to the weasels in the list, right? Um, he's going to have a mechanic that's going to require his players to roll a D100. And depending on what they roll, they'll roll different dice amounts for different effects and different chaos that's going to be caused from his effect. So remember, if they're a CR0, they'll become a CR7 at second evolution. So they'll be dealing CR7's worth of damage in all different dice increments. It might be like, roll 3d4, 4d6, and 2d8. So players get to shuffle up a whole bunch of different dice and throw them on the table for all different effects. Because think about how many, think about how many different effects in D&D require you to roll different amounts of dice. Right. There's not many. So that's where I was like going to use him for different effects and things. So I think that'll be real fun for players to do. I've played D&D, like I said, for well over God. I am, yeah, about almost 10, year, 10 years now. So, and I've been a DM for a lot, actually, for almost all of it. Um, maybe about nine out of that 10 years. I've only ever played for like a player for one year, but, you know, I've got experience as a DM. And I've, as being experienced with the DM, I often look at the monster manual for a lot of things. So that's why I've taken up the challenge to make my own creatures and hopefully you guys all enjoy them. And obviously, like we've said before, with playtesting, a lot of these creatures at some point, once they get revealed, have you playtested, once all the creatures are out. That's where if you want to be a playtester, join the Discord and react to the message that says I want to be a playtester with the dragon emoji so I can give you the playtester title and you can be separate from everybody else. And that way we can have our own little playtester chat and discuss things on mechanics and how things are looking. Because this is going to need a lot of playtesters. So if this idea sounds cool to you, you like the idea of creatures fighting each other with cards, summoning creatures like Pokemon slash Yu-Gi-Oh! and then fighting each other. But with the world of D&D, with the creatures in here and they're now home revolutions, right? So, um, anyway. Back to the book there. Uh, I can finally go into some creatures. I have three for you guys to show you. Thornmongers updated with everything. Bimorph, Baboon, and Badgerang with everything updated. So hopefully that'll be the rest of this episode. I'll try to make these episodes try to be around an hour and some change. Because I know when they're three hours, which is nice, you can listen to, them, listen to them throughout the week. Because these are primarily able to be watched on YouTube. I don't want people to have to spend too much time doing it, right? Because ultimately, if you watch it on YouTube, you'll be able to see the pictures of things. Um, but yeah, so... Let's get into it. All right, Thornmonger. This is the evolution of the Awakened Shrub, which... While Awakened Shrub doesn't have... I don't think it has an image in D&D. I mean, there's some things made on Reddit, but not like an official image, right? The Shambling Mound that's an Awakened Shrub. There's not really like an official Awakened Shrub D&D, to my extent, that I know of. That's an official thing. There's a lot of homebrew pictures of it, and... and I am trying, like I said, I'm trying not to use anybody's art that's not officially in Dungeons and Dragons already that I'm able to use. Of course, without permission. Right. Um, if I if an artist reached out to me and they said, hey, here's all my collection of creatures, feel free to use them, I'd be like, you're a godsend. Thank you. Because then that's art I don't have to commission. But I like commissioning from Iori because she's very fun to work with and as as you've seen, has done great drawings so far for the for the thing. So hopefully when they're in color, oh, they're gonna be so good, hopefully. Uh, but yeah, obviously they're not super cheap because I want to pay her a rate that's, that's reasonable. So if you'd like to support the project, like I said, anything for the Patreon will go fully into art because there's a lot of creatures here, guys. <laughs> so, but anyway, um, so thank you out there who did the anonymous, who wanted to be anonymous and gave the, the donation for the project. Like I said, all that funds went towards making the art. So 
please remember that this art from these these five pictures here were from your contribution of or your contribution went into part of paying for the for the sketches. So thank you. Uh, anywho, let's get into it. Like I said, so Thormonger is the awakened version of awakened shrub. A Thormonger is a medium plant. Um, any chaotic alignment, they're usually wild out in the, the woods. There hit points of sixty five. I the creatures of D&D have parentheses with what dice you can roll on average to get their health block that they have. Um, as far as calculating that, I have no idea. So for example, right, there's a creature that I flipped open to it, and this is where I'm really crazy thinking on how this works. There's a creature called Grick. That is 6d8 or 27. I just want to give flat hit points because I don't want people to get confused with having to be like, all right, um, I roll every time I summon it to see what its average hit points is. No, 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 no. Thormonger's hit points are 65. Speed is 30 feet. Climbing speed of 30 feet. Uh, stat block there of its strength, its dex, its con, its intellect, its wisdom, its charisma. Challenge three creature. Damage vulnerability. It's vulnerable to fire and slashing because it's a plant. And damage resistance is to bludgeoning because it's obviously all roots and thorns and things. If you bludgeon, it's not going to take a pretty heavy hit because it's just going to sink into like its mossy wooden body. Uh, senses passive perception of 10. Language is sylvan because it's a woodland creature, right? Um, if I was saying, Ryan, what do you use to build your stat blocks with? Uh, I found this image online that I've been using that's pretty good, I feel. Zoom this in for the people watching to see. So I'm making challenge level three creatures, right? So uh, they usually have a proficiency bonus of two. Their AC is usually 12 through 15. Average hit points is um, 45 to 60. To hit is four to six. Average damage of 15 to 20. And then XP of 700. So I try to use those for some constraints on these creatures. Obviously, some are going to be a little stronger than others just for flexibility and balance. Um, so I got that table I use. And... I have the DMs, if you, if you guys at home, because uh, eventually, like, there's a Patreon tier where you get to make your own creatures, right? So, if you want to make your own creatures, to have them be in this book, that's a tier where you join that every month. Once the next month cycle hits, we'll reach out, and I'll be like, hey, what creature idea do you want to have to add to the book? Or, once all the creatures are released, or as creatures get released, you can build your own pack based on the creatures that can be included in this book. Just some tiers in the Patreon if you haven't checked them out. There's some pretty cool stuff there. Um, anyway, and the Dungeon Masters get guide here page 474 also has a monster statistics by challenge rating table there i don't know if you're able to see that but it's quite different from the monster creation table i found for example some of the differences a cr3 creature one of the biggest differences is their hit points being 101 to 115 hit points at cr3 as I looked in this book at a lot of CR3 creatures, a lot of them had less than 101 hit points to 115. Um, like, for example, I'll just flip to see if I find one. Hotor has 75 hit points, right? Uh, let me see if I find another one that's at three. I might not find one for pictures because I'm flipping through them randomly. But, anywho, like I was saying, a lot of them don't have... Like, for example, a challenge rating 5 Cambion, which is a medium fiend demon, only has 82 hit points. Right? So, to me, what that means is, obviously, they're not to an, ex an exact T. Spectre, which is challenge rating 3, has hit points of 39. 
So they don't have to be exactly to a T, right? Like Chimera Challenge Rating 6 has 114 hit points, which is towards the top end of a CR3's hit points that they should be having, according to the Creating Quick Monster stat guy. But try not to use that really just because it's so skewed and makes things have hit points that are... I feel super crazy, and so I lower their hit points down to what the other people recommend. And this thing's average damage, it says, should be 21 to 26 a turn. The other table that I had says average damage only 15 to 20. Right. So I'm along the lines of... And I'm sure, I'm sure most of you guys, if not all of you guys, would agree with this that are listening in and watching, that if things have less hit points and deal a little bit less damage. A little bit less, right? It's not as skewed as, because this thing only says, the, the picture that I have that I'm using is only 45 to 60 hit points. This thing wants over 100 hit points for a challenge rating three creature. And I'm like, that'll make the fight go forever. <laughs> right? Because ultimately to win a duel, you have to beat two of the enemy's things on average, unless you're a higher up, but we usually assume the average fight, right? You usually have to beat two of the enemy's creatures in order to win. Knock out, kill two of their creatures, send them to the graveyard, I should say, because you can release creatures and send them to a purgatory, but that's a different situation. Um, so, if things have less hit points, the fights will go semi-quicker, right? Because, let's say you have to fight two or three in a play session. I want you to be able to make progress in stories, in the story, right? And it's equal to that extent as well. You could have a, your, hit, your creatures that you're summoning are going to have lesser hit points as well as the enemy's creatures are going to have lesser hit points. So it is equal, right? It's not like, oh, the enemy has a lot of hit points and I have less. And that's where as a DM, you could homebrew, give your creature that you're using a feat that gives it more hit points and increases its AC. As a DM, you can manipulate these creatures however you want, but your players are going to have the stat blocks of the creatures in front of them to fight with. So if you're going to make an alpha thornmonger that's like the leader of the awakened shrubs and the thornmongers that live out in the woods, that thing could have an increased damage, increased health, and you could change it if you want, because ultimately it's d, &D you can homebrew anything you want. Um, I'm helping to provide you templates for you and your players to use for combat purposes, right? So, let's get more into the Thornmonger here. Anything that's, a anything that's an evolution, a first evolution, will have a key card ability, its own unique appearance, uh, its own unique, um, well, obviously its own unique appearance because it evolves, but its own, uh, because I read the word appearance on the screen, one of its special abilities that it'll have. So I look at it this way. As things stat blocks get larger and larger, there will be a point where I will not be able to copy over every single ability in the stat block just to save time. Most things only have two to four abilities in their stat block, which is relatively reasonable, but then you get things that are legendary bosses and things that have huge stat blocks. So I might just say, has all the abilities of its original evolution, and then give a, a list of the ability that it gains. It will usually, so first evolution, it will gain one ability for it as a creature, and then one key card ability if it's in your key card slot. And those are where it gets fun, because those break the normal mechanics of D&D. Um, sorry, I keep saying, um, habit, I think more than I speak faster, I think, than I can think. So anyway, um, there it is. Let's get into Thornmonger's abilities. It's key card ability. If this thing, if you, if key, Thornmonger, so the ability is his key card ability and the ability is Thorn Bestowed. 
If your key card for 24 hours gives the aura mounts, gives the aura monster the thorned skin ability for the next 24 hours. So if you keep a key card, uh, if you keep a creature or an Oromon, right, as your key card for 24 hours, usually, not all of them say 24, but usually 24, you will get a special ability that's bestowed upon you from that thing being your, your key card. Another extra perk of having a key card, right? Of having a key card creature that you want remain your creature there for 24 hours. Unless you be able to bond, get to know the creature, so the creature bestows upon you a blessing of some sort, a perk, or you'll see it um, give some benefit to you for having it out for that long. So, Thormonger keeps the same abilities from Awakened Shrub, which Awakened Shrub's ability was just false appearance. So, obviously, Thormonger kept false appearance. While Thormonger remains motionless, it's instinct it is indistinguishable from vines with thorns that are just hanging in the trees. So as long as it's not moving, your players make a perception. They try to see if they don't roll very high, they'll just the thing will just look like thorns and vines that are just hanging from the trees. Then it gets the ability Thorn Skinned. When a Thormonger gets hit with a melee weapon attack, the attacker will take 1d8 piercing damage every time they successfully hit a creature with the Thorned Skin ability. So, put two and two together. Thormonger has this ability. If he Thormonger's your key card for 24 hours, it gives the Aura Monster the Thorn Skin ability for the next 24 hours. So you, as the caster, can start to now grow these astral thorns. At, I usually refer to them as astral because these are like creatures from the um, aura, right? The magic in the area. So you as a human or you as whatever race you're playing, will start to grow these thorns on your body that now gives you thorn skin. So if you're out exploring or whatever, your Oromon's off doing whatever and you get ambushed and you get attacked by a wild creature that just like runs up and just punches you or kicks you or maybe a thugs come after you and you have a cloak on. As the thugs punch into you, you then whip your coat off, and bam, they're punching into your thorn skin, taking 1d every time that they take damage on you. Because you're an Auromancer. I think that's, I think that's a really cool ability. Um, a lot of the creatures will have their own key card ability. Like I said, if they're in your key card slot for longer than 24 hours, actions of this Thormonger, this, this whip, this um, viney, thorny creature, that's this evolution of the shrub. Multi-attack. The Thormonger makes two rake attacks, or one with... Or one spike vine attack. I gotta go through fix that quick. I said one twice. I try to keep the same abilities as actions as their previous evolution and then give them a special action if applicable. That's not totally in the, in the list of things that I plan, but like I said, so I'm putting a lot of heart and soul into these creatures, guys. I'm taking the original forms of these creatures and evolving them, giving them a new move, new abilities, etc. So I'm really trying to make these cool and hope you guys enjoy them. Someday, uh, I don't know if you looked on Patreon, but someone, someday a Patreon tier may be that I release a full card almanac of these things as playing cards for you to print off for your home collection. So that way, if you're building a deck with players, you can simply shuffle up a deck of cards and draw and summon a creature out to fight with you and then the little minifigures on the board um, of whatever you're using, right, to represent your creature. Then you have the card out and it's actually like a deck of cards. You actually summon them, draw cards from it, and you won't have to roll on tables anymore. That's obviously a big Patreon goal. Um, I may, I've been contemplating an idea. If this video goes up and the idea is on the Patreon already, then I, I've successfully done it. Um, I might do a tier where if you're in this tier for X amount of time, maybe three months or so, I don't know. Um, every, every time you're in there for every three months. So if you're there for a year, you'll get the benefit four times. Reach out to me. Say what creature you'd like. And I have a buddy who can put it on an actual like 
nice card material and I can make you your own playing card of that creature you like. Or maybe I'll sign it for you so you have an official thing. Mail it to you. And then you'll have it to play with at home in playgroups. And then you'll know, like, hey, I was part of this early project. So when you play this with friends, you will have, unlike your friends, maybe just print off the full card almanac at the very end of all the cards. You'll have a signed card from the creator. Um, it could be a fun thing. And maybe I'll write you a little letter. Like, actually write, or maybe I'll type in just sign. But I think writing puts more feeling into it, you know? You can put that in the envelope, too, when I send it to you. So I have a letter from me thanking you for everything that you've done. Um, maybe describing a special thing that you got with the Thornmonger. If it's Thornmonger, for example, right? Um, take the picture of Thornmonger there. Put a rectangle, and I put a nice little border, put the word Thornmonger on it, give the back, the Oromon back, and it'll be, like, on card material. It won't be on, like, paper, because obviously, well, it's paper. I'll be on, like, an actual, like, plasticky, nice kind of card material. And I'll sign it for you. And that way, when you play games someday, if you ever play with this, you can use the signed cards. So I think that could be a fun tier as well. Uh, might be one where it's like, all right, I just want to see some dedication because it won't be cheap for me to mail them. <laughs> That's expensive. Um, so it might be uh, just like, it might, that might be the $5 tier. Or, or maybe I'll move the, the create your own creature tier down to the $5 tier and make the $10 tier. So for 30 bucks, I will make you your own playing cards, sign it, write you a little thing about it, actually, like, write, you know, make it look nice. Um, and send that to you, so you could eventually, someday, if you're there, if you're for a year, right, uh, it's four times, you'll be getting a card from me that could be signed, dated. Um, four might be, or three, every three months might be too long, maybe I'll do two months, I'll have to figure it out. That might change as things go, but as we get more creatures, right? So you could technically, right, if you're in that tier, not only do you get to suggest a creature every month or make your own card pack or make an NPC for the world or make your own item, because that's already there underneath one tier. You can make one contribution to the book. You could we'll submit to me a creature. We'll discuss its abilities, its powers, make sure it's balanced, because I don't want, you know, like something crazy in there. Uh, it just breaks all the game mechanics outright and just is not what it should be. And we'll discuss, right? I mean, you can see balancing levels and things, so... Uh, and if you find a picture, either you can draw a picture or hire an artist for a picture. If it's a picture from somebody else, I will need proof from them that I can use it in the book. And I will cite them in the book, obviously, for that image. So I'll need permission from that. Um, and if I don't get permission from them, I can't put it in, obviously. But you could, if you're part of the $10 tier or whatever that third tier is. I might go through just the prices, too. In that $3 tier, you can literally suggest a creature every month. And then every three months... Get that creature's an actual playing card to use if it's in the book. Signed from me, have a little story from me. And I think that could be really awesome. I need your guys' thoughts down below if those sound like potentially cool tiers that you guys like. And that way you have actually something tangible, right? It's not just like, oh, I'm donating my money to a project and oh, he's thanking me for it. That's nice. Actually, something tangible that when the projects, all the creatures are out fully finished or whatever, and every month more creatures get added to the book because you guys, if you're in those tiers, you'd be making creatures for me to submit to the book, right? You then. Will get actually physically the cards from me that you could then sign assigned cards to add to your playgroup. So could be really fun. Anyway, Thormonger, there's a, its abilities. Back to the thing. Um, actions, like I said, makes two rake attacks or one spiked vine attack. Rake, melee weapon attack, plus four to hit. Reach, five feet, one target. Hit for six, or you roll, you roll the 1d8 plus two piercing. The plus two piercing comes from a strength of plus two. Uh, okay. Or Spiked Vine. What is Spiked Vine, Ryan? Well, Spiked Vine. Ranged weapon attack. Plus 4 to hit. 60 or 120 feet. Um, one target. Hit. Piercing damage. And the target must make a DC 13 con saving throw. 
taking 4d8 poison damage on a failed save or half as much damage on a successful one. So you hit them with literally a poisonous vine. You rake it out, your guys is going to whip across the battlefield, send this like spiked vine towards an enemy, and bam, hit it for 4d8 poison damage. They make a con save. So... I think that was a cool mechanic. And then about the Thormonger, I made some flavor text. I like to make flavor text for the creatures a little bit too. Make it feel like they're more in the world. You know what I mean? Because I can make a picture. I can make a creature. Great. But having flavor text incorporated into the world, I think makes it so much more better. All right. So Thormonger. Thormonger are the evolution of Awakened Shrub and are ready to help defend their home through their thorn skin. Uh, at some point, I'm going to have somebody... Or heck, if you are good with English and things and would like to just print this off, make changes, edits, let me know. Or we DM and you just let me know, hey, fix this here, fix this here, fix this here, because I like the English and this to be good. Well, I speak English. I am very bad at English. I was not very good at English in school, so that is showing here, unfortunately. But hopefully it's somewhat understandable. Let's see. I wanted to fix, help defend their home through the use of their thorn skin. All right, oh, I hit insert by accident. That sucks, all right, thorn skin. By helping keep predators away, they can care for their seeds that will hopefully become awakened shrubs and then thormongers themselves someday. They can use their spike vines to allow them to climb and swing from trees to get the drop on unwanted oromon in their territory. They can even use their vines to throw themselves in the air and then either rake down on their foes or land on them, causing their spikes to embed in their enemies for greater damage. This is a cool, like, a flavor thing, right? Meaning, so, as you're a Thormonger, right, and you guys are up on a cliff, maybe overseeing an enemy camp, and you're able to pull a bunch of enemies towards the, the, the cliffside, your Thormonger could technically fling itself off the top of the cliffside and spiral itself down, like, and just be a spike ball, just falling down, just severing a bunch of enemies with its piercing spines. Could be a cool concept, right? And then I do a paragraph like on flavor, or a paragraph or two on flavor, and then um, below it's how it provides for the Oromancer. They help provide for their Oromancer the power of protection through letting them be able to coat themselves in a glowing light of thorns to resemble that of Thormonger. The Oromancer will have the thorn skin belly for 24 hours if they have Thormonger in their keycard spot for at least 24 hours, right? So, 48, you have it for two days, etc. It just basically says you need to have it in that slot for a day, and then the immediate next day, for the full day, you have his ability. So you could, after 24 hours, switch out Thormonger for something else, but you can still have the glowing Thormonger ability. By doing this, you then don't ever overlap abilities usually, and you just have it be that ability for that day. And like, let's say that. Yeah. So you have Thormonger for 24 hours as your keycard slot. You're like, all right, I want to change this, but I like having the protection. So I'm going to change Thormonger to something else. And boom, you now have a new card in your key card slot which won't do its effect until 24 hours thormonger's effect will last for 24 hours so after that 24 hours thormonger's effect goes away the next creature that's in there takes over the new ability it's good sense um keep in mind too your key card is usually your buddy that's helping you fight usually he's out in combat with you if he goes to the graveyard he's still in your key card slot i think we made that clear that even if it goes to the graveyard it's still your key card slot if it's banished that's something different right if it's sent to purgatory that's something different. And that's described up above for description. If you haven't heard that video, I think that's episode four goes into um, releasing, right? So, anyway, we have more creatures we got to check out the next two. Biomorph Baboon. So these art that I found for these things were things that 
were in DD modules previously, so I could use these for free. These are in the book. I'll have no problems with copyright because this is a DD book, right? And I'm just incorporating my own art. This is not art made from somebody else. These are things that were made in other DD modules, previous things that I'm renaming, rearching that haven't made appearances in 5e yet. Um good to use them. Um if these are things that are from a modern 5e module, or not module, but just like expansion, I even looked at fully like um, Eberron, right? So if Eberron has some creatures in it that I have art here and I've named something else, please let me know down below. Or, or some uh, expansion like Volvos, which I know Volvos, but some, some other book module of creatures that are a thing that I've renamed for this, please let me know because... Someday, if we reach a Patreon tier and then I throw all Volvolds in or I throw all of Eberron's creatures in, I don't want to be like, oh, I've been using that art for this creature for months and I had no idea. So if you see a creature art here for a creature that is in another thing that's a 5e like monster expand, like a monster context thing, let me know. Just so I can go through fix it. And now if it's a creature art from a previous set, whether it's D&D 3, 2, etc., that I'm saying is fair game to reuse again, either as that may be an evolution of it, even though it looks older. Uh, but those are a little more rare to find. Anyway, Biomorph Baboon, medium monstrosity, chaotic evil, armor class 14, hit point 70, speed of 30 feet, climbing of 30 feet, strength of 16, dex of 14, con 11, int 4, wisdom 12, charisma 6. So it's kind of wise with it, but it's not the most smartest creature with its intellect being four because it is a medium monstrosity. Uh, and its charisma is six because it's not very appealing to look at. If you look at it, it looks like a, it's a biomorph baboon. Uh, passive perception 14. It, it doesn't have a language because it's just beasts. Most beasts in D&D don't have languages, so I just kind of gave it no language. Um, conjuring three. All these are going to be three unless they evolve twice. Key card ability. Tentacle reach. If you're a key card for 24 hours, it bestows its climbing speed to your Auromancer in the form of giving your left arm two astral tentacles to use for climbing. How cool is that? So this is your buddy, right? You and him are out doing your tasks, fighting creatures and things like that. It's been 24 hours. All of a sudden, your arm gets these two glowing astral tentacles that resemble that of the Biomorph Baboon that you could then throw up to use for climbing. The way that, because it's two tentacles, right? So if one's wrapped around something, you then reach with the other one and it just pulls you up etc. But it's from like your one hand. So you can still use your other hand to throw out cards for a fight. If you have to like hang off a cliff, if you have to do whatever you need to do, you can then use that to help you climb up. I think that's such a cool concept, right? Because these are things to help you be able to reward you, right? For using this guy as your key card, it bestows upon you. It gifts you. It, it does this, that for you, etc. Uh, it's abilities. Baboons have pack tactics, so naturally Biomorph Baboon has pack tactics. There's advantage on all attack rolls against a creature if at least one of its Biomorph Baboon allies, at least one of the Biomorph Baboon's allies is within five feet of the creature and the ally isn't incapacitated yet. Basically just says, hey, your buddy next to him on your team, he's fighting. All right, cool. He gets advantage if you're within five feet, which is very strong. <laughs> so reactive, te reactive tentacles was the homebrew ability I gave it. I try to make it. Its special ability and its key card ability kind of overlap, right? Because it evolved. It gets this new ability, and because it has this new ability, now it can bestow that upon you as well. Uh, reactive Tentacles. Biomorph Baboon gains an extra reaction that can be used for opportunity attacks to allow you to use Tentacle Whip twice instead of once as an attack of opportunity. Usually in D&D, attack of opportunities are one melee attack you get to use on the target because they're running away from you. Instead, you come near this Biomorph Baboon and now you want to book it because you realize this thing is swole and tough and I don't want to fight this thing because it's so strong. 
All right, it's going to get two attacks with its tentacles on you instead of one. Uh, actions. Biomorph Baboon makes two bite or one tentacle whip attacks. You know, as a trend here, it's usually, uh, it's usually that way. Uh, I'm going to quickly flip around bite and tentacle just because I want it to be a different way. I want bite first because I mentioned bite being its thing and then tentacles being below it. Um, if ever it's as interested for people, I could potentially someday just stream the nights when I make this book and then we can talk about it too. And then that way I get people's feedback as I'm making the creatures for cool ideas, you know, um, with school being as crazy as it is, that probably won't happen for a few weeks. But if people think creating creatures on stream with me could be a fun idea and then I get to know you guys, you guys get to talk with me, we get to bond a bit, help grow the community a bit. I think it could be a fun idea. And now we talk and it's like, if you suggest a cool idea, I'm like, oh, I never thought of that, but that's such a good idea for this picture. You know what I mean? So anyway, uh, bite is 1d8 plus three piercing, five feet, tentacle whip is obviously your melee weapon attack. You're slashing them, whipping at them with your octopus arm for tentacles as the uh, bimorph baboon, plus four to hit, 10 feet, one target, 2d8 plus three bludgeoning. So you leave the range, uh, you provoke opportunity attack from this thing because you're running away. It hits you for, it makes two tentacle whip attacks, which could be altogether 48 plus six bludgeoning. So the flavor text I wrote for Biomorph Baboon, a simple baboon was unfortunately taken hostage by the evil scientist, Dr. Lazarus, and was experimented on to no end. It was able to break free along with its other baboons and wants to avoid people at all costs. It can be violent towards those that impede on its hunting grounds as a form of self-defense. Once you get near a biomorph baboon, you will find that leaving its area is a lot more difficult than approaching it. Having been through such crude experiments, it has been trained to become very physically fit to allow it to one day get revenge on Dr. Lazarus and make sure his experiments are put to an end. So, obviously for other DMs, you don't need a Dr. Lazarus in your world. Obviously if a player goes to a guild hall to get information from a, um, uh, what was the word? Boy, I'm blanking. It's been a bit. From a, I'm going back to the table quick to see. Uh, where is it? Sorry, I'm just looking quick and I can't seem to find what I want to find. Or mancers, right, that are skilled highly. Oh, these are all the class paths. I want... Key card, right? You have to go to an elite Oromancer. That's what it is. So, yeah. You're an elite Oromancer. They can tell you about certain cards that are there. Almost like... Picture another Pokemon, right? There's Pokédex. There's probably something in the Guild Hall that maybe has like a monster... That maybe has the Oromon Almanac as an item that they can flip through to read you information about the creature that you found. If you want more information, right? So that's where, when that's being said, DMs, you don't have to mention Dr. Lazarus. If you were to guess, I might make an evolution of like a Mind Flayer or some really strong creature be named Dr. Lazarus. And he could be an um, evil NPC for the players. And that way, some of the flavor text from some creatures are involved in other ones. So if you go to read about the Biomorph Baboon and you hear Dr. Lazarus and you have no idea who Dr. Lazarus is, 
and some incentive for the players to maybe think about and hunt down and think who could this Dr. Lazarus be? And then Dr. Lazarus ends up being a card of a creature, right? Because some second stage evolutions might have special names to them. So something fun there. Um, and that explains how that the baboon became what it is, right? Why, why it's all two heads, melted arms and some, tentacle arms, uh, like bird feet, messed up tail. Well, look at the muscles on this dude, spiky, you know? Anyway, if you're able to befriend a biomorph baboon and use it as your key card, you find yourself getting an astral tentacle light that glows over the top of your left arm as a thank you. This two-pronged tentacle arm can be used for the Auromancer to climb with. That way you can like use it to bam, just climb up. You now have a climbing speed of 30, basically. Although I didn't say that, I'll write it right now. This gives a climbing speed of 30 feet. Yeah, so that, that way now you know, hey, is that the speed of, what is, what's the speed that I get from using it? You get a speed of 30 feet. So, that's pretty cool, right? Uh, I just want to fix my thing here. Alright, so that's the Biomorphed Baboon. Uh, third creature, last creature I'll talk about in this, in this installment, because I, you know, like I said, I only have to make these three creatures and commission art and do all this other stuff, so I've been busy in school, so. Balancing is, is the balancing act. Badgerang, I like this little dude. I think he's cute. Uh, obviously, if he already draws something, I might make it be a, a special little guy because I've obviously got a donation from you guys to, to make the art. So I want to make it be, I want to make it look good, you know? I make it have a cool mechanic. So Badgerang, small beast, unaligned. Armor class 13, but he's got hit points of 65. Speed of 30 feet, burrow speed of 15. Strength 12, dex 12, or dex 14. Con 14, Intelligence 6, Wisdom 12, Charisma 10, because look at how cute he looks. Look at those little uh, badger fingers, cute. For those two that can't see, obviously these pictures will, I'm going to hope that the picture's up on um, the thumbnail so that you can see the creatures I'm talking about, right? You don't have to necessarily go to the videos to see. Um, all right, skills, I get acrobatics plus four. So if you're going to do anything with acrobatics, he gets a plus four to that. He's immune to being prone because he's got little hands. He can catch himself if he falls and knocks to the ground. Dark vision, 60 feet. Passive perception of 11. I did not write that. Good catch on me. See? Look at that. If I was streaming this, I'm sure somebody would be like, hey, you missed that. I'd be like, oh, you're right. Passive perception, 11. Language is none because he's a little beast. Uh, challenge rating, 3. All right, let's get into the fun stuff. What's the key card ability you get from Badgerang? It's called Little Treasures. If you're key card for 24 hours, it'll bring you a little treasure from the little treasure table down below at dawn. So you roll a d12 every dawn, and he'll bring you a little treasure. What are the little treasures, you ask? They're little trinket things, but you know, I try to think of fun little trinkets, so, and trinkets in like, um, some are useful, so. Uh, d12 table, little treasures. If you roll a one, you get a dead mouse holding a cube of cheese. So he went out, he hunted a little mouse, and he brings it to you. Uh, D12 for two is, roll a two, a dead bird with a fish in its talons. A breakfast burrito? Uh, number three, a small, so if you were to, like, cook the fish, right, you could have that, maybe cook the bird, and, you know. Three, a small bag with a block of clay. Maybe a little tub of Play-Doh, whatever you want to, like, have some fun doing, right? Uh, number four, it's a badger wooden statue. It brings you a little badger wooden statue that he found during carved maybe with his little nails. Uh, five, a whistle made from gold-colored wood that has one use before breaking. 
technically if you roll a five for a week and you get seven whistles, you can have seven whistles that break, but little trinkets. Uh, six, a single-use wooden key that can lock any door, but unlocks nothing. It unlocks none. So yeah, if you're running away from a bad guy out of a dungeon, right, and you're like, oh, he's catching up on us. Uh, quick, oh, I know, my badger gave me a little key. I'm going to use it quick in the door. Key will snap off, but now it's locked, right? So now you've used it that can lock any door, but it doesn't unlock doors. So it makes a fun little... I guess it was something where, like, single-use items, but you wouldn't mind getting duplicates, right? Because you could use them for multiple things. Uh, number seven, oh, this is a cool one. Uh, if this is too OP, I'll change it, but a single sending stone. Technically, as the days go by, if you just accrue a ton of sending stones, the whole party could just talk to each other over distances. Those who don't know what sending stones are. Uh, now, they says that this always comes in pairs in description. That's why he's just going to bring you one, because he only found one. They were smooth and delicately carved to match each other so that the pair is recognizable of one stone from the pair were destroyed, the other would lose his magic. Uh, ignore that, because it's just, you find one stone, and then all the stones can talk to each other. Basically what it is, is they're magic items that allow remote communication over any distance, even across distant planes. So, as you accrue more sending stones, they can all talk with each other, and yeah. Uh, number eight, a stroll containing the spell Speak with Animals. So you get a one-time use to be able to speak with the badger or speak with whoever that you want. You can just accrue them. Uh, number nine, uh, this is fun. A one bean from the item Bag of Beans. <laughs> so, go to that quick. I thought of all this, by the way, too. Like, I went online, I was like, oh, what are some like little mundane magic items that have cool things? That... Basically, what a Bag of Beans is... If you remove a bean from the bag, you plant it in dirt or sand, and then water it. The bean produces an effect one minute later from the ground where it was planted. The GM can choose any effect from the following table, determine it randomly, or create an effect. So GMs, you have some freedom there, or just roll a D100. There's a lot of effects here. I won't go into all of them. Uh, some of them are good, such as a fruit tree grows with a bunch of fruit, which randomly determine magic potions. While one acts as an ingested potion of the GM's choice, the tree vanishes after one hour. Picked fruit remains, uh, retaining any magic for 30 days. You get magic fruit. You could get eggs, and a creature that eats an egg must make a DC 20 con saving throw on an unsuccessful save. A creature permanently increases its lowest ability score by one, randomly choosing among equally low scores. On a failed save, the creature takes 10d6 forest damage from an internal magical explosion. So if you have a really good con score and you think you can beat 20 and you eat it, you can just increase your lower scores and or take 10d6 force. It's very, uh, it's very jokey, right? And that's what the badger's supposed to be like, oh, I have some jokes, I have some utility, you know, I give fun stuff. Uh, after the one bean from the item bag of beans, as if you roll a 9, if you roll a 10 on the table, he finds berries that were casted from the good berry spell. So naturally DM, you'll roll behind the screen how many berries and he'll bring you berries that can heal you or the party for hit points that you can then hold on to to use later. 11, a potion of healing. Uh, maybe that's OP, but it's one of 12, right? And it's every day at dawn, so you're not going to always get that. So when you do, you're like, all right, he brought me a little potion of healing. How cool is that? Uh, maybe it's like a little vial with health potion in it, however you want to describe him. And then the 12 is three gold pieces. Figured making them all be pretty good. I might make the three, I might make the three, five. We'll see. I made it three for balancing, because otherwise if he brings you five and you roll that like four times, that's a free pack. Of course, that's four days, so I think three gold pieces is fine, right? It's a little bit of money that you get from him at a chance, right? So you manage to get the top tier, you get 12 from the G12, he brings you three gold pieces. Nice. Uh, okay, and then there's a little picture of him, like I said. Um, when you're 
when Eerie is done, it'll be in color. It'll look great. Um, there'll be no background, which is fine. I mean, I can find a little background, I'll lie, I'm sure. Badgerang. Badgerang is a badger who found a boomerang out in the woods up in a tree one day when he was exploring. He accidentally cut his paw on a thorn out in the woods trying to reach it, and some of his blood dripped on his new boomerang. The boomerang started to glow, which scared him, so he threw it away. But it kept coming back to him, so he got... Yeah, but it kept coming back to him, so he started to play with it, not being scared anymore. He was able to practice throwing it and noticed how it always returned to him, no matter where he went. Parentheses, even underground. Exclamation point. Badgering loves to explore and even was able to find a scarf to keep his little treasures he finds in on his morning walks. As an Aramancer's keycard for 24 hours, Badgerang is able to share with the Aramancer a little treasure he finds out when exploring. No one knows where Badgerang finds these treasures, but he always seems to find something to present proudly to his Aramancer every morning. So you can bet DMs he will present a nice little dead bird with fish in its talons, but he'll look proud. Like he's like, I got you this gift, my friend. You know, like he's like, oh, you're my buddy. Here, I found you this present. And then the players, it's a great role playing experience, right? And the players are like, oh, thanks. Badgering, this is great. And it's like a dead mouse holding a cube of cheese. Or sometimes he'll bring back a health potion. Who knows, right? Adds a little RNG to the key card ability, which I thought was a fun little mechanic. Oh, I forgot to mention, duh. I skipped all the rest of Badgerang's uh, rest of his stuff. Uh, his other ability, he has other abilities like keen smell. He has advantage on wisdom, perception checks that rely on smell because that's what the badger had. And then his ability is magic boomerang. Uh, when Badgerang throws its boomerang, the damage is considered to be magical. Cool. After thrown, Badgerang can, as a bonus action, on the next turn, roll to hit an enemy on the boomerang's way back. So it's implied like, oh, I throw the boomerang, it's gone, it hits an enemy, it keeps flying. And then on its way back, on the next turn, he can use a bonus action to have it hit an enemy on the to roll to see if it hits an enemy on the way back. The boomerang will always return to Badgerang's paws, no matter how far. Right, you could just. Throw it over the side of the boat, it goes in the water, and then it just goes come flying right back to Badgering. So, it could be a fun stretch reliever for players if they're mad or upset about something, they could just chuck the boomerang, and it'll come flying back to Badgering. Or if you're underground, it'll just dig its way down, or break through walls, or it could just magically appear through an astral door. Whatever DMs want to do for interpretation, I thought that opened for them. But I think that's a really cute badger. Look at it, we got a little scarf, got a little boomerang. I think that's really cute. Uh, it's actions. While does I attack? He makes two bite attacks or one boomerang throw attack. Bite. 1d8 plus 3 piercing, plus 4 to hit. Obviously 5 feet, 1 target. Boomerang throw weapon attack, plus 5. Uh, 60 or 120. 1 target hit. Bludgeoning, 2d8 plus 3. But it's considered magical. I'm not totally sure I formatted boomerang throw right, but if I didn't, please let me know down below so I can fix it. Um, but with that, I think that's going to be it. For the fifth one. Oh, from these three, what do you guys think? Do you like um, Thornmonger? Do you like Biomorph Boomerang? Or Biomorph Baboon? Do you like Badgerang? Um, are you excited to later on see the weasels? Oh, I was going to show you this for those watching. These pictures won't be on the thumbnail just because I haven't finished the creatures yet. So if you're just listening, you don't have to worry about seeing it. If you want to see it, you can go to YouTube and check out the video too um, and just come to this part in the timestamp. But here's some pictures for other things that I've been working on and found. I don't have. There's stat blocks really made for anything, so ignore the stat blocks, please. It's just mainly for me to format pictures and what I want. Oh, buddy Scrappy's playing Call of Duty. Look at that. All right, anyway, 
Uh, Batsy, the evolved form of a bat. Just get a bat, it becomes Batsy. Uh, in honor of the last campaign, I figured I'd... Uh, I named some stuff after our last campaign, right? Just because it was so good. Like, the Pokemon Adventures were so fun. So hopefully they can you now carry over into this game. Batsy, there's the art for Batsy from the D&D books. It's like a bat holding, like, a, a lantern on two legs standing. So I think that'll be a cool mechanic to have. Um, I might do something with the lantern. I don't want to do something with the lantern. Maybe increase inventory space with the backpack because he can carry stuff. Maybe make him be able to fly or grow wings or super hearing. Maybe it increases your perception as you get astral bat ears on your head. I don't know. I have to figure out what I want to have the key card ability be. Uh, next thing is the astral feline. Um, it's pretty cool. It's just evolution of cat, right? Cat evolves into astral feline. It's like a cat with angel wings coming out of the back. Uh, town guard, the evolution of the commoner. And it's just like a guard here. Uh, basically a, a super plated human, which could be cool for concept and playing with. King Crustacean! That's the one, you know, that Iori made. Um, he's going to probably have an effect, a key card effect, where every day he'll give you, if he's out for 24 hours, every day he'll give you like four gold pieces. Or maybe it'll be three. Maybe, yeah, maybe he'll be a guaranteed three, right? Because if Badgering's a chance, he's a guaranteed three every day. So you keep him out for a week, that's 21 gold pieces. That's enough to buy a 20, 20 gold piece pack, you know? But of course, he has to be out. You have to fight with him. He'll always be your leader out, you know, so... Like I said, ignore the stat blocks or whatever, because they're all just copy and pasted from before. And it just always formats pictures and get stuff in, so I can then just bang out each creature as I have time. And then, yeah. That's it for creature pictures. There's, uh, I don't have anything planned for 1.8 yet, but I just put the next chapter in for 1.8 for formatting purposes. Um, there's the CRs there, so I just copy-paste. Uh, there's been no other frequently asked questions. Some people asked some stuff but they i didn't feel that they were good enough to be put in the frequently asked questions section if you think of any questions so far anything you've watched creatures mechanics whatever you have let me know it's like put in the faq so that people know change log i gotta change this date because obviously this is the 27th when i started working on stuff i thought i'd get the video up i'm changing this to now being the 30th so hope i can get it up today um yep i did not finish assigning spells i did spells I did fourth level spells. I need to finish doing spells at some point. I just was like, I want to get the creatures out. I want to show the people some of these Oromon, you know. Oromon Almanac title things there. Oromon Almanac chapter CR0 is there. Um, below that. Uh, opinion now from people as well that are listening. Should I simply just do each one broken down? So do like Thornmonger. Or do you think simply just writing Armand Almanac, Chapter CR 0, 1 8th? Because as you see, this is going to be a long process. <laughs> Finding art, making evolutions, which I'm fine with. I love creativity. I love, I have such a creative outlet. If I wasn't in school, you can bet I'd be working almost every day, just sitting down grinding out creatures after creatures after creatures, because I love doing this. This is so fun, and I think I have some great creative ideas for things that are coming. Um, so... Let me know what you think. Do you like these creatures, like I said? Do you have a favorite from the three? Are you excited for Don Weasley like other people were? Leave a comment down below, because comments also help with the algorithm. It also helps us be discovered by people, so... With that being said, hopefully you guys enjoyed this a little bit. If you remember any of the questions I asked, be sure to just comment them down below. It really helps. I enjoy reading you guys' comments on here on the Reddit. If you're not part of the Reddit, you want to get on there to see some of the creature art that I have planned already ahead of time, I'll probably drop them there. Uh, as you see, people have already upvoted. There's comments on things. So we're growing. I mean, it's not many people in it right now. But like I said, got to start somewhere. So with that being said, be sure to check out the Patreon down below. If you haven't seen it already, be sure to check out the Reddit down below. 
you'd like to join this project, like I said, Discord link will also be down below. So with that being said, I will catch you guys all for the next one, which will be number six. Hopefully more creatures, maybe fifth level spells will be done. We'll see. I can't guarantee anything because I don't know what, what, what will be in store. So um, with that being said, I will catch you guys all for the next one.